Welcome to Witching and Whining. I'm your resident witch, Miranda. And I am your resident wino, Crystal. <laughs> um, today's episode is about dreams and different aspects of dreams. Um, it's a really quite interesting content, and I look forward to you guys actually hearing all about it. This wine tastes pretty yummy. <laughs> and I, I it's a dream. It because, <laughs> yeah, I picked it because, well, one, the picture of the tree caught my eye because I'm obsessed with trees, um, even though I'm allergic to almost all of them. <laughs> but um, it's called Dreaming Tree, and it's so good. Oh, is it? Yeah. Mm, it's a California wine. Perfect wine. Yeah. Mm, okay. Don't you miss California? No. Fair. <laughs> not, not at all. <laughs> Uh, it's a good place to visit, but I don't want to live there again. <laughs> I'm so yeah. tired, and my voice sounds like this <laughs> from talking all day. You I'm guys, sure. I just, I just made it through week one of school. Any teacher will tell you that week one leaves you absolutely Exhausted. drained, like to the core of your being. I'm so tired and <laughs> and because We're, I'm so tired and I have so much to do for school I'm not gonna edit this down to this every single detail like I usually do so um if you hear a fart or a burp in here <laughs> uh, enjoy <laughs> <laughs> this will be the real life you know what crystal edits so much of my farts and burps out of this episode <laughs> it's all me I, it takes me like three or four hours to edit one episode. <laughs> At least. That's like if it's an easy one. <laughs> oh my gosh. And it's like, I feel bad too because I have like a lot of issues with my intestinal issue things. And not, and not only that, but I have acid reflux to the max. So sometimes I'm burping so much and sometimes I have to throw up because the oh heartburn is so bad. Yeah, you guys... You might, in one of these episodes, I don't remember which one it is, you could probably hear it in her voice. She had been throwing up in the middle of recording. <laughs> and then she just picked it right back up. It was during her segment. <laughs> like, I, I had to do it. And it wasn't because I'm sick. It's because it's all that acid reflux. You just got to get it out. Yeah. So there's our TMI, <laughs> TMI segment. We're all friends here, right? <laughs> <laughs> And if you're not, get out. <laughs> exactly. So, who shall go first? Let me go first. Let me get it out of the way. Okay. I'm going to jumble through here because I'm going to try and cut out bits of it that mm -hmm. I did last time that I think we could do without. Okay. Because it lasted forever. Oh, oh, and you guys, we recorded this last, last week? Mm-hmm. Yeah, last week. The night before, the night before I left to Virginia, we recorded it. We were, oh, we were like to the very end and yeah. it just cut us off because we went over like the uh, two and a half hour mark. Um, if that gives you any idea of how much I cut this down. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we went over the time limit, so it cut us off. 
and I go to get us back on there and it's not working. So, and it was late and it did not save the entire first section. So here we are again. It did not save any of my voice. Yeah. So it'd just be me talking to myself for Mm -hmm. two and a half hours. (laughs) So we wasted so much time and then we were just like defeated. I heard it in Crystal's voice. I was exhausted and I still had to pack and everything. And it was, what was it? Like one in the morning, 12? I don't even know. It was late. Oh, anyways. Okay, here we go. So, <laughs> so she's going to talk a little about a little bit about dreams different from what I'm going to be discussing. Um, I'm going to talk about the premonition type dreams, so precognitive dreams. I'm going to talk about astral projection and my own personal experiences, not with astral projection because I refuse to even try, but also talk about um, dreaming as a source of like dimension hopping too. So it'll be fun. Yeah, super excited to rehear what you said and then <laughs> and then the rest of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So most individuals experience dreams for at least two hours every night. So the entire time you're asleep, you're not dreaming the, the whole time. You're dreaming a, for a portion of it. So at least two hours every night. It it's feels not, longer. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I dream all night long. Yeah. From the minute I close my eyes, but... So it's not uncommon to have a few nightmares here and there through your lifetime. You might even fall into the category of 17.8% to 38% that have at least one dream that appears to foretell the future. And these dreams can be referred to as precognitive or premonition dreams. And according to Jay Summer and, sorry if I say this wrong, Dr. Abhinav Singh, um, in this article called What Are Precognitive Dreams from sleepfoundation.org, there are several ki- criteria that need to be met for it to be considered precognitive. First of all, you need to record the dream or tell others about your dream before the scenario is fulfilled in real life. So before it actually comes true. So you have a record of it. So you're not just saying oh, this totally happened, and these details are exactly what happened, but you might just be mixing up details because it's not recorded, it's not documented, or told to somebody else to help you remember those details. Like a dream journal, or even like you wake up and you record yourself and the date, or tell your spouse and, you know, make (laughs) make them (laughs) help you remember stuff. (laughs) Like usual. Yeah. (laughs) Um, also, the dream must have a significant number of unique details so that it's unlikely to be fulfilled by chance. Um, this goes against what another person says in an article. I'll say, I'll talk about it later. Um, she feels like it doesn't have to match every detail. It could still be precognitive. And I'll touch on that later. Um Although these people right here are experts, so maybe it really should have significant number of unique details that match. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, any dreams that are self-fulfilling prophecies or that could be influenced by existing knowledge are not premonition dreams. So you um, 
go to a doctor's office that day and then you have a dream that so-and-so has cancer. Well, you were just in a doctor's office. Maybe you saw something about cancer on a poster on the wall or it it's, doesn't mm-hmm. make it a premonition dream just because, yeah. you know, you're or influenced. Or self-fulfilling, like you have such a strong feel or hmm, how do you explain self-fulfilling? Uh, like, okay, self-fulfilling is like, okay, you have a dream that you're pregnant and you become pregnant, but I'm just like, well, you're uh, doing acts that would make you pregnant. <laughs> so <laughs> Doing acts. Perfect example. <laughs> um, also, dream telepathy or communicating with others via dreams. Um, these... It cannot influence the premonition of a dream. So if you are communicating through your dreams with others or you are using some type of telepathy and these are influencing your premonition dream, it can't really be considered a premonition dream. It's being influenced by outside circumstances. And they do go on to say that during certain situations, it is possible to experience a lucid dream. Lucid dreams do not have the ability to predict the future, but they do provide you with the realization that you are actually dreaming. In fact, you may have the capability to manipulate and direct your dreams while in a lucid state. The large majority, if not all of my dreams that I have, are lucid. I feel like I know I'm dreaming. I feel like I I dream all night long, but maybe Mm -hmm. that's, that's not accurate, but... I it it is very lucid. I know I'm dreaming, and I can almost pro, I would say ninety percent of the time, ninety five percent of the time, maybe I can influence my dreams. So if I'm having like a really crazy nightmare, I will try to turn it into something funny, like you know, on Harry Potter, where it's is it a giant spider? Yeah, and they put a bunch of roller skates on it ridiculous yes that's pretty much what i do in my dreams i don't i don't say that that'd be funny <laughs> Although, if you did. May, yeah that, that's what i was seeing maybe i can add that in there it'd be even better <laughs> but there are possible explanations for precognitive dreams so selective recall people Recall confirmed premonition dreams significantly more frequently than disconfirmed premonition dreams. In other words, if your dream predicts the future, you are much more likely to remember that dream than your dreams that did not accurately predict the future. Um, There's tolerance for ambiguity. Ambiguity. (laughs) I always say that weird. Ambiguity means being open to more than one interpretation. So this is talking about dreams that can be interpreted in multiple ways and the people that are open to the multiple interpretations. Some dreamers interpret ambiguous dreams as positive or desirable. Researchers call this tolerance for ambiguity. 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 (laughs) I don't know why. I can't say that. People with a high tolerance for ambiguity are more likely to experience premonition dreams. In other words, they are interpreting the dreams to fit the situation they believe to be forecasted, which makes sense. Mm, you yeah. you try and connect it in ways um, kind of like, don't come at me, people. 
kind of like the Bible. Everyone interprets it differently. And people, especially Christians that don't really follow it as much as they say they do, they really like to interpret it in a way that will justify whatever it is they're doing. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I know another fun book, but it's not the Bible, but it does have to do with dream <laughs> interpretations. Ooh, what is it? <laughs> Warbreaker by Brendan Sanderson. It is so good, you guys. <laughs> I am like, I can't even. Uh, it does have th- that aspect of like dream interpretation because like there's these people who die, but then they're. Re- <gasps> Whoa, hold on. Wait. What? Oh, I, I couldn't hear you for a second. It might have recorded that. I, I touched my phone and something messed up, but go ahead. Okay. Um, but yeah, so like there's people, they're, and they're returned and they're gods now because they're returned and then they have priests and every morning when the gods wake up, pretty much their primary purpose is to give the, the priests their dreams and then the priests like try to see if there's anything prophetic about it. There's way, way more to that book than that, but that's where the dream interpre- interpretation comes in. But it is so good. You guys need it to read it. awesome. Dude. It'll change but, your life. Oh, real quick, just going to throw this in here. It has nothing to do with what we're talking about. So I'm going to say it real quick, okay? okay? Okay. So, you know, I go through like, I don't know, probably like... F- mm, sorry, I had to burp. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, I go through probably about two to three books a week. Um, anyways, I read this book from this author it was so amazing so i was like oh i'll give it another try she's got a ton of books i'm on this other book and i am just so hooked i am obsessed with this author um if you like any kind of uh i would say psychological kind of messes with your head makes you think and there's lots of twists and um there's a big oh my god at the end you know Mm -hmm. i suggest reading books by Annie Taylor. That's A-N-N-I. Annie Taylor. And she's an Australian writer, I believe, because okay. all of these books are Australian. Anyway, they're they're so good. They're so good. Okay, moving on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we should just do a podcast on books and have like a book club with listeners. <laughs> oh, we should. Anyway. <laughs> um, then, okay, so other reasons um, that... Other things that could influence you thinking that you're having precognitive dreams. Paranormal beliefs. Researchers have found a significant relationship between belief in the paranormal and belief in precognitive dreams and the ability to make associations among unrelated events. These results suggest that if you're inclined to find connections in the world, you're more likely to experience premonitions. Well... Duh. (laughs) I mean, if you are having precognitive dreams and you don't believe in any of it, then you're, even if you do make the connections and you're like, damn, that's similar, you're going to make excuses to why it's all a bunch of hooey and it's not precognitive. What a coincidence. I know. Who would have thought? Oh, that's so funny you said that because the next thing that could um, influence is coincidence. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Some people who have precognitive dreams may not interpret them as predictive until a corresponding event occurs in real life. No shit. Yeah, because how are you going to like, yep, this is going to tell the future, you know, until <laughs> yeah. it happens. 
factors such as selective recall, tolerance for ambiguity, ambiguity, and paranormal beliefs can contribute to you drawing connections between coincidences in your life and dreams you experienced. As a result, events that you experience during the day may stick with your subconscious. For example, you might dream of purchasing new furniture for your home. When you wake up, you see an advertisement for a couch you want to purchase. However, if you had been thinking about redecorating your home and researching furniture for a few days, your dream might simply reflect what was already coming up in your life. Which is kind of what we were saying earlier mm-hmm. about the doctor's office and seeing the cancer thing on the poster. It's, it's just a reflection of what's going on in your life. So subconscious connections that you're making between the things. So there, here are some examples of precognitive dreams throughout history. Carl Jung's dream and its connection to World War I. In 1913, Carl Jung, a renowned psychoanalyst, psychiatrist, and dream interpreter, had a vision in which he foresaw a cataclysmic event that would befall the world. Was it COVID? (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) I wonder if anyone's, you know, had that vision, but... Um, Specifically, his dream depicted a devastating flood that would engulf the regions stretching from the North Sea to the Alps. During his dream, he witnessed parcels of land, buildings, and individuals being engulfed by yellow waves. He observed the transformation of the entire sea into a crimson color. This dream gave him a sense of impending disaster. Then he had a second dream. So in 1914, Carl Jung experienced a subsequent dream that predicted the onset of World War I. In this dream, he witnessed an unusual occurrence where frost and ice involved... (laughs) Sorry, excuse me. Bless me. (laughs) Bless me. (laughs) Bless you. Do you always bless yourself? Is that a witch thing? What do you mean? I said bless me, right? Yeah, nobody says bless me. No, yes, I do. No, 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 no. Yes, all. <laughs> Wait, you've never blessed yourself when you sneeze? I mean, I have, but you did it like it was a normal thing. I it know is I'm a normal not, thing. I know I'm not normal when I do it. And it I don't do normal. it in public. <laughs> <laughs> it's a normal thing, right? No, guys, come on. If anybody's listening to this and do you say bless, like, do you bless yourself when you sneeze? I would, I would like to know. <laughs> Hit us up on our Facebook, witchandwine.com. That's not even our address. I need to go to bed. Witchin and whining on Facebook. Okay. crying. Okay. Uh, you got me here. Oh, he um, 
witnessed in his dream an unusual occurrence where frost and ice enveloped the landscape during the height of the summer season, resulting in the frigid abandonment of the Lorraine region. As he observed the desolate wasteland, the chilling air claimed the lives of all living beings. In this period, Carl Jung distanced himself from Sigmund Freud, his mentor. He was like, back up, dude. I got <laughs> stuff going on. There may have been an energetic connection between them, and it is plausible that, that his decision to pursue a new creative path resulted in turmoil in his dreams. He might have been simultaneously sensing the energy of forthcoming changes and navigating his own life journey. So pretty much like he's all stressed out from all this shit and because mm -hmm. of his partner over there and it's causing turmoil in his, in his dreams. I almost said genes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, okay. Here's another example. Arthur Taylor. Uh, in 1966, J. Arthur Taylor, a resident of Stacksteed Stacksteads. A resident of a place had a vivid dream where he found himself in South Wales. Within this dream, he stumbled upon a town known as Pontypridd, Pontypridd, where he had been searching for a book to purchase. As he stood before the substantial machine emblazoned with the word Aberfan in white, he gazed at it intently before shifting his attention to the desolate, chilly houses that surrounded him. In the village of Aberfan Wells, on October 21st, 1966, an overwhelming surge of coal waste erupted, ultimately engulfing a famous far farmhouse and leading to the tragic loss of three individuals and their animals. So, uh, coal waste. Mm -hmm. He dreamt it. Okay. That was, that was my summary. <laughs> <laughs> um, then we have Mark Twain. On the eve of his brother Henry's passing, Mark had a vivid dream where he witnessed his lifeless body resting in a metal coffin, dressed in one of his suits. This dream startled him, as its realism was so profound that he had to spend a considerable amount of time, of time convincing himself that it was merely a figment of his imagination. The following day, Mark and Henry had plans to embark on a steamboat called the Pennsylvania. However, due to conflict with a crew member, Mark was transferred to a different boat, while Henry remained on the Pennsylvania. Tragically, the boiler of the Pennsylvania exploded, resulting in the loss of 250 lives, including Henry's. His brother. Mm -hmm. Mark was taken aback when he discovered his deceased brother in a metal coffin, wearing a suit just as he had seen in his dream at the funeral. In his dream at the funeral. That's a weird sentence. He had seen it happen in his dream. And then he saw it happen at the funeral. <laughs> um, Kathleen Middleton. And this is not Kate Middleton. That we all think of. <laughs> right? That's the famous um, person, right? I don't keep up with yeah. all this new age stuff. Anyways. Not the same person. But Kathleen Middleton. The impact 
of Robert Kennedy's assassination on Kathleen Middleton during the Aberfan landslide that we talked about. Um, During the Aberfan landslide, research conducted by psychiatrist John Bark, Kathleen Middleton, along with another individual, shared premonition dreams as part of his psychic dream study. So there's a dream study going on, and these people gave accounts of the dreams that they had. Well, and it was March, the same type of dream. Yeah. So in March 1968, Kathleen Middleton approached the Premonitions Bureau, where John Bark conducted his studies, to inform them about her precognitive dreams, specifically about Robert Kennedy's death. So this board was all set up, I think, after that, uh, the Aberfan landslide dreams had come, you know, to light. Mm -hmm. They set this little bureau up and these are, this is the dream that she had shared with them. So Middleton was very eager to communicate this message to the predictions office. So she com- she called or she contacted them three times on June 4th, 1968. I would be eager too. I mean, if the president w- had not been assassinated and I believed in precognitive dreams, which I do, um, but I had this dream and I was really sure it was going to happen. I'd probably contact them too if oh, there yeah. was something like that, you know to reach out to, I would. So she contacted them three times. Shortly after midnight the next day, um, so June 5th, Robert Kennedy was shot. I um, bet they wish they, uh, um, you know, listened. Answered their damn phone. Checked their voicemail. <laughs> but yeah, they had voicemail back then. <laughs> <laughs> um, Abraham... Abraham Lincoln. So President Lincoln is said to have had a dream about his own demise, according to Lincoln's friend and law partner, Ward Hill Lamont. Lincoln shared the details of the dream with him. In his dream, Lincoln witnessed people crying and felt compelled to explore farther. To his surprise, he discovered a deceased person in funeral attire within the East Room of the White House. Curious about the circumstances, Lincoln inquired with the figures present in the dream, only to be informed that the president had been assassinated. When sharing this unsettling and fearful dream with Lamont, Lincoln revealed his unease. Lincoln subsequently provided further clarity to Lamont regarding the dream. In the dream, the president who was assassinated was not Lincoln himself, but rather... A different president. This dream occurred just a few nights prior to Lincoln's assassination on April 14, 1865. Lincoln often had a another type of dream that seemed to foreshadow future events. In this dream, he would envision Union ships chasing down a damaged enemy vessel. He would also witness... He would also witness Union soldiers positioned on higher ground, prepared to achieve victory. Remarkably, these dreams would occur just before significant historical moments, such as the battles of Antietam and Gettysburg. 
Lincoln view, viewed these dreams as positive signs or good omens. They didn't teach you that in the history, like in history class. Mm-hmm. It would have been like one of those nice little interesting factoids that they could have added. Now let's school. learn about our psychic presidents. <laughs> okay, <laughs> makes sense why they didn't address it. But I would sure as hell pay attention to that lesson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not like, sure. Hmm. <laughs> Sorry, this wine's making my throat a little dry, but at the same time, I need a drink to wet my whistle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. I'm not sure if I'm saying this right, but here we go. Errol May Jones on the 19th of October, 1966, a 10-year-old named Errol May Jones had a dream where she discovered her school enveloped in a dark cloud. She shared this dream with her mother and expressed her lack of fears towards death. On the 21st of October, 1966, a coal mine waste landslide occurred in the village of Aberfan in South Wales, Hmm. resulting in the destruction of the local school and the tragic loss of 144 students and teachers. Shortly after the landslide, a British psychiatrist named John Barker Barker? Barker. Anyways, arrived in the village. Barker's objective was to investigate the psychological effects on individuals who experienced the anticipation of imminent death. He gathered a total of 76 testimonies regarding premonitions about the Aberfan landslide, of which he conducted a thorough investigation on 60 accounts. That just makes you feel like, okay, maybe there is like a Something else out there, right? Higher power, yeah. what have you, spiritual. Because like, if there was that many, somebody was trying to get a warning out. You know, they were trying. And, you know, no no question now about why they opened some type of board to look into psychic dreams after so mm-hmm. many people had been documented having precognitive dreams about this partic- one particular incident. Yeah. Harriet Tubman's journey to liberation. Harriet Tubman experienced a significant head injury that caused a severe fracture to her skull. Subsequently, she began having intense and detailed dreams. She asserted that these dreams were divine messages from God, providing her with premonitions that proved instrumental in ensuring the safety of both herself and the numerous slaves she led to freedom. Harriet Tubman, utilizing her ability to foresee future events through her dreams, served as a conductor for the Underground Railroad, guiding more than 300 individuals who were enslaved to their their liberation. (laughs) Um, Another thing we didn't learn in history class. Yeah. (laughs) I would have also paid. I mean, well, I did pay attention to that lesson anyways, but... I would have been, like, on the edge of my fucking seat if they mentioned she was psychic. <laughs> it's like all those hidden hidden histories of these historical figures. Like, and you know how parents are like, oh, that's taboo. I don't want my kid learning about that. But those are the exact things that would make them interested. Like, it's real. You know, it doesn't seem like yes. just propaganda. Yes. Then we have Lucretia de Leon. Lucretia 
De Leon, a 12-year-old girl in the 16th century, started experiencing dreams that provided her with glimpses of the future of Spain. These precognitive dreams, which continued throughout her teenage years, revealed a multitude of personal and political matters concerning Philip II of Spain. Lucretia was apprehended and subjected to torment by the Spanish Inquisition due to the church's disapproval of unconventional spirituality. So they're like, you're having these dreams. We're going to take you and torture you. Yeah, makes total sense. Oh, of course, definitely. <laughs> Men are just afraid of things they don't know. <laughs> yeah. Additionally, in one of her dreams, she witnessed the English assaulting the seaside town of Acaruna. Hmm. Sure. Is that how you say that? I don't know. Resulting in a gruesome duration of sexual violence, cruelty, and homicide, lasting for a period of two weeks. Yes, they did those horrible acts for two weeks Mm -mm. and in spite of accurately foreseeing the imminent perils her nation would encounter in 1588 the king was unable to safeguard his people and consequently lucretia lost her life so because she couldn't just see everything they wanted her to see they killed her is that what i'm understanding it's probably like oh your your ability isn't helping us so you know what you're a witch and then pretty much i don't like what you have to say i don't like that you're not saying what i want to hear so yeah um then we have let's see niles is it niles Bohr? that's how i'll say it but or i want to say it niels Bohr. niels Bohr. okay so the mac book says Niels Bohr. So in 1911, Niels Bohr, who is wildly regarded as the founder of quantum mechanics, was grappling with the challenge of comprehending the inner workings of the atom. However, none of the configurations he proposed seemed to provide a satisfactory explanation. Frustrated but determined, he retired for the night and found himself immersed in a visionary dream. In this extraordinary dream, he witnessed with great clarity the nucleus of the atom and observed electrons revolving ceaselessly around it. Upon awakening, he was confident in the accuracy of of his vision, but needed to validate it through laboratory tests. Niels Bohr shaped his destiny by pursuing the inspiration he experienced during sleep. Huh. So that, is that precognitive because... Or self-fulfilling. Or self-fulfilling or are precognitive dreams also dreams that are just like, well, I guess they are dreams that give you hints at things. Mm-hmm. So it's okay. I guess what I'm trying to say is, are they dreams that give you hints about the future, or are they also dr- just dreams that give you hints about things like, hey, this is what you need to get done, so here's how to do it. You know, that's does a that good make question. Any sense? Yeah, I think it does make sense. There, here are some other examples. Mary Shelley, in the early 19th century, 
1816, the famous novel Frankenstein emerged as a result of haunting of a haunting dream. Mary Shelley, who was only 18 years old at the time, was visiting Lord Byron near Lake Geneva in Switzerland. It was during this period when they experienced an un I can't talk. <laughs> unusually cold and harsh winter due to the volcanic eruption of Mount Tambora the previous year. Because of this unusual cold, they found themselves confined indoors for a long time. Lord Byron proposed a challenge to write ghost stories. However, night after night, Shelley struggled to come up with a suitable idea. During a discussion about the essence of life, Shelley proposed the idea of reviving a lifeless body, drawing inspiration from the concept of galvanism. That night, while sleeping, she was captivated by a lively and vivid dream. I observed, this is a quote of hers, <clears throat> I observed the pale scholar of forbidden knowledge kneeling next to the creature he had assembled. I witnessed the monstrous apparition of a man lying motionless, motionless, only to display signs of life and twitch with an unsettling, partially livid movement due to the operation of a potent force. It must be truly horrifying, as any attempt by humanity to imitate the awe-inspiring intricacies of the Creator's world would have unimaginably dreadful consequences. So is that another self-fulfilling prophecy? Or is it um, subconscious connections where their conversation earlier, she made those connections? I mean, maybe. I mean, that's not the first story I've heard about um, an author dreaming up something and becoming super famous for their their writings. Because yeah. Stephanie Meyer in Twilight, you know, she dreamt about like that meadow scene with Bella and Edward when he's all sparkly. And then she said that she just started writing from that. I, I did not know that. Now she's super Didn't. famous with lots of money. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> Um, then we have Paul McCartney. In 1965, the complete melody for the popular acoustic track called Yesterday. Have you seriously never heard that song? No, I have not. Oh, I cannot believe that. All my troubles seem to go away. Is that what he said? Well, you don't know what he says. Yesterday, yeah, I don't know. the Beatles. I think we're allowed to play like the little piece yesterday all my troubles seem so far away in 1965 yesterday the whole thing was composed by paul mccartney while he was dreaming <laughs> i'm so tired it's funny to me because it's like he wakes up and he's like i made a song I made it yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, okay. Upon awakening, the complete melody returned to his consciousness, and he promptly re reproduced it on his piano. Seeking validation, he reached out to his friends and family to inquire if they had ever encountered the tune previously. 
Initially, he harbored concerns regarding the possibility of unconsciously duplicating another artist's work, a phenomenon commonly referred to as cryptomnesia. Cryptomnesia, yep. After approximately a month, he approached individuals in the music industry and inquired if they were familiar with it. Over time, it started to resemble reporting a lost item to the authorities. The reasoning was that if no one came forward to claim it after several weeks, then he could rightfully possess it. Lennon and McCartney proceeded to pin words to accompany the melody. So it was the melody that he had um, came up with. Mm -hmm. And the composition was attributed to Lennon-McCartney on their album titled Help. Despite being a somber acoustic track with McCartney as the sole performer, the rest of the Beatles decided against releasing it as a single in the UK that year. However, it was eventually released in America and remained at the top of the Billboard Hot 100 chart for four weeks. It remains massively popular today with more than 2,200 cover versions. Um, by many different artists, including Aretha Franklin, Katy Perry, The Mamas and the Papas, Michael Bolton, Bob Dylan, Ray Charles, Elvis Presley, Billy Dean, and others. I'm going to end this with... I'm going to end this with Jen Sonstein Maidenberg. I hope I said that correctly. And this is... An article entitled Precognitive Dreaming. Oh, sorry. Best Practices for Precognitive Dreaming. Dream journaling is an essential and useful tool. And it is on her blog, jinmaidenberg.medium.com. So Jen had been questioning this doctor, this expert about about precognitive dreams because she believed that she was having precognitive dreams. So she says, and I'm going to quote a pretty big chunk of this article, just so I don't misinterpret anything that she's saying. She said, quote, for a while, my dream research was heavily focused on one objective, prove to myself and others I sometimes dreamt the future. I figured if I tracked my dreams more regularly and carefully, I would have some way of validating the experience. This worked, but it also didn't work. One thing I learned along the way is proving anything to anyone, including oneself, requires trust and consensus. What is proof exactly? How close to reality... Did my dream content have to match waking life content in order for it to be considered proven by someone else? As I tracked my dreams and shared them occasionally with friends or family, it also became clear that belief in the possibility of precognition is certainly going to affect whether or not a person experiences precognition, which like in that earlier article, Uh, We had mentioned that people that have beliefs in the paranormal or precognitive dreams are more likely to have them. And you and I were like, well, obviously, if you don't believe in it, you're going to make excuses for it. Mm -hmm. I think what she's saying is if people don't have that same belief, it's going to be very hard 
to prove that to them when they're there you don't even have the belief to begin with you can't prove that, something to somebody that they don't believe in yeah that makes perfect sense we see that all the time yeah religion mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. one person believes in this another person believes in that you can't prove anything that you believe to that person when they have completely separate beliefs um she goes on to say Belief in precognition will also impact how someone hears the content of your dream. In other words, the more skeptical a precognition, the more your friend will be seeking exactitude in details when you compare the dream with the waking life future experience. For instance, I may have a dream in which I am walking down a street. I think I'm wearing a yellow sundress. I cross the street and I'm pushed out of the way of an oncoming car by a stranger. The man, a thin person in his 40s who looks a lot like my old dentist from childhood, says to me, watch out, you were almost killed. The next week, in waking life, I am crossing the street. I'm wearing a yellow jumper. So not a dress, but a jumper, but it is yellow. As I cross, I am pushed out of the way of an oncoming car by a stranger. It's a woman, thin, with short cropped hair. So the cropped hair could have made her think of a man. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. She's in her 20s wearing hospital scrubs. She says, sheesh, that was almost the end of you. I notice her name tag. It says, Dr. Cohen. Did I dream the future? The man that she had originally dreamed about, um, it, he reminded her of her childhood dentist, Dr. Cohen. Cohen. So in waking life, when it actually happened, the woman, her name tag says Dr. Cohen. Mm, oh, yeah. So okay. Not everything matches up perfectly, but it definitely fucking matches. Mm-hmm. And there that are is little much of a coincidence. clues there, to be a right? Coincidence. <laughs> right. So, I think what she's getting at is like it, the more someone does not believe in that type of dreaming, the more they're going to want those details to match up perfectly. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like in the beginning, whenever I, anyways, the beginning article that I started off with, where they said that. One of the prerequisites was that the dream had to have a significant amount of details Mm -hmm. that matched up. She's saying not every detail has to match. It it has to connect in some way, I guess, but it doesn't have to be a a very detail or um, it doesn't have to be a perfect match. I'd say to have to have like similarity, like enough similarities to be like, oh my gosh, this is just too... What you explained was just like, okay, wasn't 100% correct, but it just, there's no way that was just a coincidence. No, with the Dr. Cohen and everything, mm-mm, from her childhood. Mm-hmm. Like, I, you could have been like, that's just because it was in my memory and he kind of resembled him. But then her freaking name tag says Dr. Cohen. Mm-hmm, exactly. 
So she goes on to say, since I started interacting more with open-minded dreamers and people who allow for the possibility of precognition, I've moved less toward needing validation and more toward already knowing there is something having to do with the experience of time that happens inside our dreams that we still don't fully understand. I think I'm on that same boat. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really need validation from anyone now. I just feel like there's something there Mm -hmm. connected to time. Time not having to be linear like we think it is. Mm -hmm. And we just don't fully understand it yet. So Jen had a friend that requested information on how to know when she was dreaming about the future. Jen says... The steps below focus solely on tracking precognitive dreams. And even so, my way isn't the definitive way. It is simply what's worked for me so far. I suggest trying it out, then modifying it to work best for you. You may need to adjust it based on your own particular sleep patterns, schedule, or memory recall ability. She says that getting good regular sleep is very it's ideal um because you know when you're sleep deprived you're gonna have some crazy dreams she says also dream recall works best immediately upon waking waking for some it works even better to stay in bed with your eyes closed and reflect on the dream it's reflect on the dream itself before writing it down somewhere For certain, it's more difficult to recall the dream details and feelings if you immediately start engaging with waking life sensory experiences. And for example, she says in particular, the internet, television, social media, conversations with other people or other content with stories or images. So if you start interacting with those things immediately after waking, the memory, the details of the feelings or experiences that you had are going to start to diminish. She says getting good regular sleep is ideal for those of us trying to have regular dreams and remember them. Okay, so here are the six tips that she had to um, help you identify premonition dreams. One, upon waking, whether in the morning or in the middle of the night, write down your dream using an app or software that is searchable that's important. This can be a notes app on your phone or a Word doc on your computer. The key is that it has some functionality that allows you to search for keywords or phrases. She says it's important to use an app that allows you to search keywords because you don't know when that future event's gonna occur. It could be years later, and you'll want to be able to go back and search for those key details and have them pop up. Um, Two, always date your dream at the top of the dream note, um, i.e. December 18th, 2019. She says that she doesn't track the days of the week, um, but not for any good reason. So she doesn't just like put Wednesday or whatever. She says... It may be useful to include days and times, depending on how you take notice in waking life of days of the week and times of the day. If you think knowing it's a Wednesday will help you match a dream to the future waking life experience, include the day. This is helpful if you are 
actively looking at a calendar every day in your waking life, for instance. Three, start by writing out as much of the dream content as you remember. Go with the flow. Do not stop to autocorrect or fix punctuation. Get and definitely, mm-hmm. oh, sorry. <laughs> and definitely like when you're writing stuff down, even if it's in the wrong order, when you remember it, just keep writing it down. And then later on, you can just adjust the order. You're like, oh yeah, this came first or this came after. Yes. Yes. Um, she says, do not stop to autocorrect or fix punctuation. Get as much detail down as possible. The, the whole point of this is just to quickly get the detail out of your head before it disappears. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. She says to write all, all the dreams of the previous sleep session down, even when they seem blended. Whatever you can remember, write it down. This will serve as a first draft. Number four. As for which details to track to prove precognitive dreams, it's best not to get caught up in the narrative and instead pay more attention to the details of what you observe. Colors you see, shapes of of buildings, time of day, types of vehicles, dialogue. I'm going to go back to that in just a second. But number five. That said, it's also important to not get too hung up on the details. Our minds are always making meaning all the time, even in dreams. Our minds will sometimes not understand the content of what is happening in a future memory or future experience because it has no reference yet for the experience. It hasn't happened yet. For instance, if you dream about a person you have not yet met, If you get too detailed, we sometimes over-describe a person, a happening, or event. Our mind also likes to make sense of what's confusing, hence the Dr. Cohen equals my old dentist above. I know this may be confusing if you're just starting out, so for now, just try to be aware that it's a potential stumbling block to over-describe a dream. Number six, and then I'm going to go back to end it. Once you have written your first draft of all your dreams, go back over it and fix the punctuation or spelling. If you don't, when you search up the dream a month or a year later, it may not make sense. It's worth taking the time you have to fix the spelling of words. Sometimes, um, sometimes... This Jen, the writer of this article, she uses the voice-to-text feature. Mm -hmm. And um, that doesn't always accurately, you know, it doesn't always accurately dictate what you're saying. So you need to go back and fix those words that were misheard. Or it's not going to make any sense to you. When she says when it comes to searching for um, people or places in your dream notes, it can be a bit challenging, especially if they are unfamiliar to you. Being resourceful and considerate is important to such, such situations. Imagine this scenario. You've never visited Prague before, but you recently found yourself there on a business trip. As you wander through the city streets, you stumble upon the Prague astronomical clock. Surrounded by a bustling crowd, you're captivated by the ancient clock. However, amidst the awe, a strange sensation arises within you. A feeling of deja vu. You pause and wonder, have I been here before? 
Despite knowing that you've never set foot in Prague before, the experience triggers a familiar yet inexplicable situation. Some people think that's less dreams Mm -hmm. and more past life um, type of deals. That's true. You could have Mm -hmm. had lived in Prague in your past life. Yeah. But she says, if you're looking for your ideal travel destination, you can begin your search by looking up Prague. However, it might be beneficial to broaden your search to include terms like historic city, quaint streets, landmark, tower with a clock, or even business trip. When going through a written account of a dream, you may come to the realization that you had dreamt the experience not because of its specific details, but rather due to the inclusion of broader or abstract elements or the depiction of an emotional encounter. She ended her article with a warning about making life choices based on dreams that could possibly be premonitions. And I feel like this is important. (laughs) She says, quote, take care with making any decisions based on your dreams of a supposed future, good or bad. Recently, I wrote about a dream I had that caused me to worry about how my boyfriend felt about me. In the dream conversation between him and me did, in fact, happen in waking life. Waking life. But within context, it took a much, on a much different meaning. So what she's saying is, in the dream, it meant one thing. But in waking life, even if that very specific, very detailed conversation or event is taking place, think about the context that it's taking place it could have because you have more context in waking life it could have a very different meaning in waking life than it had in your dream Mm -hmm. so don't go making rash decisions or major decisions based on a dream uh, because the context could be completely different yeah the sound advice right there and then it's kind of like, well, then what the hell's the point of these dreams? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, still good advice. <laughs> oh, okay. So to end this whole thing, um, she was saying, what was it? Was it number two? I'm sorry. I'm almost done. This is the very last thing. I just want to share my own dream, but. Okay. I that's had. fine. Okay. <clears throat> So if we go back to like her fourth, her fourth tip, she was saying that instead uh, that sometimes precognitive dreams, it's best not to get caught, caught up in the narrative, but to pay attention to the details like color shapes, shapes of the buildings, time of day, types of vehicles, dialogue and all that. I... I fully believe that I precognitive dreams. I've had numerous <clears throat> that have come true um, about people's deaths or just events, even just day-to-day stuff that makes no sense about, like, why would I need a warning about that? I remember the very first dream where I realized it. Since I was really young, I had this one dream. It started off extremely blurry I couldn't see or tell what anything was. It was like being underwater and everything is just swirling together. 
and everybody's words were just garbled. And I had this dream for years. It got clearer and clearer over time. Like each time I had the dream, the vision around me, the colors, the atmosphere became more clear. The words became more clear until everything was just as it, it was in real life. Like I could see what what's next to me right now. That's what it was like in the dream. It was that clear. Wow. And then one day I was at church camp. I had never been to church camp before in my life. I didn't I had nothing, no idea what to expect, <laughs> what it looked mm-hmm. like. I always expected to go to like when you went to, um, you know, you see on the movies when you go to a camp, summer camp, or uh, so I figured church camp was the same. I figured mm-hmm. you were all in these little wooden cabins. And anyways, it was like a really nice building with modern everything and rooms that were just full of all these really nice bunk beds. And it was nothing like the movies. <laughs> so it's not what I expected at all. Anyways, so I was on the, I had one arm on one top, uh, top bunk and my other arm was on another top bunk right next to it. And I was swinging my legs between them back and forth. And I was just having fun with that while I was listening to the other girls have a conversation Mm -hmm. and it just hit me and I stopped and I just dropped to the ground on my feet and everyone was like, what is up with you? Cause I obviously had a look on my face. that was like stunned. And I said, I dreamt this. I've been dreaming about this. Every detail, it just hit me. Every detail was exactly the way it was. These people I had never met in my life before this moment. They were the exact same people. They were wearing the exact same clothes in the same room, same bed, same bedding, having the same conversation word for word. Every detail was exactly the same. And that was my whole dream was just that moment with that conversation. There's no reason for me to have that. Like, what am I being (laughs) warned about? I don't get it. It's like, why would you need to be told about that? (laughs) Yes. But I do remember that was the first time when I noticed, holy crap, (laughs) I'm having dreams that happen. (laughs) (laughs) And that is the end of my spiel. And that's all she wrote. You ended with a personal experience. And I'll start with a personal experience, too, about dreams for me. Um, I think on our first or second episode, we were talking about personal experiences and such. And I had mentioned this dream I had involving my grandma. Um, I won't go into too much details, but it was less of a prophetic dream and more of a, like, a dream to let me know what's happening now, I guess. Uh, so maybe, like, the article mentioned... Um, the first article I had mentioned where it said that you have like some telepathy going on, some type yeah. of connection or, or communication going on in your dream with somebody else. 
Yeah, exactly. That's pretty, that's honestly how it was. Um, to get a long story short, you know, after my grandma had died, I was having dreams with her in it. And it wasn't like the whole dream was about her. I, I would be having like a regular old dream, like maybe chaos or, you know, simple or whatever. And she would pop in. And then I would be like, oh my, hey, Gammy, you're there. She would pop into my dream and we would start talking, start crying. And then, you know, the dream would be fading away in the background as this is happening. It just felt so real, you know? And this happened a few times. And then one one night I was having a dream. I was on a group date with The Bachelor <laughs> and the group date was at my grandma's house. And so we were sitting in my grandma's room, I mean, her living room, and you know, we're having this group date with The Bachelor, who I think it was Colton, which he ended up being gay, by the way. But anyway, that's besides the point. Um, my grandma pops into the dream on her on her chair, and she's like, oh, this is interesting. And I was like, wait, what are you doing here? And I was like, well, wait, your look is interesting, because she was um, wearing, like, bright colors. I remember a lot of greens, you know? And she's like, well, I can try whatever look I want, you know? And I was like, okay. So, you know, we start talking. My dream fades away. And it's just me and her and we're talking. I'm like laying on her lap like normal, crying and everything. And she was like, you know, Miranda, it's okay to move on. It's okay to be happy. I love you. I know you love me. Um, but I have to go now. And I'm like, no, don't go. Like, I still want to be spend time with you. She's like, no, no, I'll be here with you for a while right now. But like, I need you to be happy and it's okay to be happy and to move on and everything. I love you because I have to go. And then, you know, the dream ends. I, I wake up and I'm like, oh, my grandma. I tell my husband about it. I write it down, you know, because I love my grandma and anything to do with her. Like, I'm just obsessed, you know. And anyway, um, and that was the last time I had a dream with her like that. I mean, I would have occasional dreams where she was like a, a character in the dream, but it was not the same. It was not an interaction or anything like that. But so about six months after that dream, I get um, like a past life tarot reading done and, um, you know, like a general tarot reading. And this the reader, she was like, hey, you know, I kind of need to tell you something about your grandma, too, if you're ready to hear it. I was like, OK, yeah, sure. Go ahead. I'm ready. You know, it's been a while. And she's like, well, your grandma's your grandma's soul was reborn about six months ago. And I was like, wait, what? She's like, yeah, her soul has moved on about six months ago, um, and I just wanted you to know. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then I told her about that dream that I had that had, was six months prior where she was like, well, I'm going to go now. You know, like, I'm going to go. And I'm just like, what the heck? Like, it was the craziest little weird coincidence but not coincidence yeah. ever because like how could you possibly know because you had all those dreams about her and then the very last one was i'm going yeah exactly and, and i then, told my husband and yeah you know so I, I did tell somebody it wasn't just like oh i had a dream about this no i told him he was a, he was able to um he could corroborate and he's he is somebody who's definitely a skeptic be it so that to me was quite powerful. Like I was relieved for her, but also like sad, you know what I mean? Cause it meant that like, you know, I want to get the same visits from her and that she's part of somebody else's family and loving other people. You know what I mean? It's just, I loved her. Yeah. Like she was such a great woman in general. Um, yeah. And then another personal account I have about this is, um, having to do with my son and my cousin's girlfriend. I know um, it's a bit odd because at the time of this 
interaction with me and my cousin's girlfriend, um, she had never really even interacted with, with my son at all, you know? So it was just kind of like random that it happened. Um, so this happened on December 16th. And let me tell you, December 16th is his birthday. Okay. So just get that out there. She says, good morning. I'm going to read it uh, from like the whole list thing, um, this conversation I had with her. She says, good morning. Hope everything is well. I know this is random, but I dreamed about your son and I just wanted to let you know. In my dream, he was laying down and I was standing over his body while praying. It was like a cleanse. He was okay because he was smiling. In the dream, I was telling you he was okay and he you need to just cleanse his room and do a protection spell so nothing goes in his room. And if he's still having trouble sleeping, put a white shirt or PJs to go to sleep. And then after that, I woke up and it was 3 a.m. I find it odd that I dreamt about him when I only have seen him once or twice and didn't really interact with him. And I just wanted to let you know about it since I know you would understand and the dream. I know you would understand the dream and won't think I'm crazy and hope you have a great day. And then I responded, oh, wow, thank you. Was this last night? And then, you know, today's his birthday. And she says, yes, and happy birthday to him. And then I was like, we all slept terribly last night. And Alistair even woke up crying because he was hearing banging. Dude, this is so weird. Thank you for telling me. And then she says, oh, wow, that's crazy. Well, something's messing with him. Do a cleanse on his room on him or do whatever you usually do. But I know our practices are a bit different, but definitely wearing white to sleep will help. Even a plant in his room to absorb negative energy. And then I said, I just told Adam what you said. And he just said that at 3 a.m. was when he woke up because Alistair was crying. Dude. And I said, yes, I'll do an extra cleanse and extra protection for him. And then she says, hopefully he enjoys his birthday and do what you have to do. I'll do a prayer for you and light a candle. So it was crazy because during this interaction, even Adam was kind of like freaked out a little bit because um, it was about 3 a.m. when he woke up because Alistair was crying. And then she said it was 3 a.m. when she woke up from that weird dream. And so let me tell you, I ordered white pajamas from Amazon. I did every single cleansing thing I could. I added protection on him. I added a plant in his room, which ended up dying. So maybe I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> so Yeah, it took in all that bad energy. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. And so, um, yeah. And then he slept in his white PJs for about a week or so until we felt, I felt better. And, you know, he was better. And I, that was just like, what the heck, you know? That was so random because at that point, like me and her barely even talked too. that was like this was when I was barely first getting to know her and, you know, seeing her just like family parties or holidays, you know. So is this the one that worked at that the place with us. No. OK. This is my cousin's girlfriend. Oh, girlfriend. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was just like, what? the hey and, and she's hispanic so i guess wearing white is like one of you know uh, like rooted in maybe catholicism or something you know oh like but, whenever they um they're baptized they have those big white dresses yeah, that, or that and one on. of my co-workers who's hispanic said that that's something you would do too like if you're feeling like you're being visited by ghosts that you don't want you would wear white for invisibility or protection or something i don't know oh. But yes, I did. I did everything and every sort of cleanse, every really strong protection. And yeah, we felt better. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And, you know, my dreams, I, I also lucid dream like a lot. 
Um, and sometimes I could just like, you know, I just want to have like a zero pressure dream, but that never happens. Um, I hate and I love dreaming because when you have one of those lucid dreams or you have a crazy complicated detail dream, you wake up exhausted. <laughs> it's like yes. you were just awake. <coughs> that was a noodle. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, so you would just wake up exhausted, and it kind of sucks because you could have the perfect amount of sleep, and if you have these crazy dreams, uh, you know, still waking up super exhausted. But that's here nor there. But it was quite interesting. If you guys ever want to learn how to lucid dream, I really can't help you figure that out because I accidentally learned how to lucid dream. And it started because I kept on having recurring nightmares that my grandma was getting kidnapped and I had to go rescue her. You know, like I said, I loved my grandma and these nightmares were just awful. So I just kept on having these nightmares. And then eventually I think my brain was like, oh, she can't handle this stress anymore. It's a dream for crying out loud. You know, so I just became aware. It's like, oh, okay, it's a dream. I could just let all these <laughs> terrible things happen because it's just a dream. I'll wake up, cool, whatever. And then as time went on, I'm like, oh, you know what? I think I want to try this again. So like I would literally kind of like rewind the dream and then go a different path. And then eventually I was able to like interact on my own. Cause like before it was kind of, I was in the driver's seat of mm-hmm. like, a, no, sorry, not the driver's seat, like a passenger seat where like, hey, hey, actually let's, let's go in reverse here and, and take a left, you know, like I wasn't actually driving, but I knew like I could have a little bit of control of where we went. Yeah. And but the driver didn't always listen to you. Yeah, exactly. But eventually I became the driver and I was able to, manipulate the time, even manipulate abilities. Like it manifest, my control in my dream was manifesting as like a tablet I could pull out and I could see, like I could scroll and see scenes oh, that's awesome. of what was happening in my dream and, you know, click on whatever thumbnail I wanted, add variations and stuff, and then just go on with it. And yeah, then- I didn't have a tablet, but I, I kind of feel the same way. It didn't just come naturally. It mm-hmm. was you realized it in one dream and then the more dreams that you had that were lucid i kind of had to practice in my dream i had to practice being Mm -hmm. strong enough to um take over yeah oh oh my gosh practicing in your dreams to be strong at a skill is i feel so much harder than practicing at a skill in real life let me tell you it's like when like, you're trying to punch, surely I'm not the only one. You try to punch somebody or a monster or something in your dream, and it's like you're hitting them as hard as you can, but it's like you're doing it underwater or something. You barely get them. Mm-hmm. I feel like that whenever I try to run in my dreams. Yeah. yeah. You feel weak mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. And what's strange about that, see, in my dreams, I can punch somebody. I can do physical combat with my own self and that's fine however if i'm ever having a dream where i have to shoot somebody it never works like i'd be just shooting them like shooting the monster or the bad guy in the head in the chest like clear death blows and they and it never works <laughs> clear death but blows. i but i could like punch them with my hand or hit them with the shovel and that's fine oh because you had a um your gun 
uh, I was trying to think of like Dungeons and Dragons. You have a lower score with your <laughs> experience in oh, yeah. in guns. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but okay. Speaking of that kind of thing too, I learned how to fly in my dreams. Yes. And people are like, oh, you can't fly. And I'm like, you know what? I can't. I started off with just being able to jump really far and jump yes. really far in one direction. <laughs> you know? And uh, then, it's like, okay. Yeah. And then you, you jump farther and higher. Yeah. And then you can float longer and longer. Yes. Yes. For me, it was just in one direction. I wasn't able to turn. Eventually, I was able to jump and turn, right? And then I was able to fly in the air, but I could only fly in a straight line. And then I was able to fly and turn, but I had to flap my arms like a bird <laughs> in order to stay flying, you know? Yes. And then, yeah. You have to it practice. Was, yeah. It was a whole thing. And now in my dreams, I'm learning how to ride a horse because for some reason, when I'm riding a horse in my dreams, I'm always falling off their butt. <laughs> like if, if somebody else is on the horse, I could kind of like hold on to them. But it almost seems like, you know, how with magnets, you put them up the, the wrong sides yes. to each other, like they, you know, deflect each other. It almost feels like that. But I have to hold on to this other person in order to stay on the rump of the horse. Well, now I'm going to have to practice riding horses in my dream because I haven't mastered that. (laughs) I don't even realize I wanted to learn how to ride a horse, to be honest. But I can do it in real life. I I don't. I can't. I think I've only ridden a horse twice in my life. Oh, man. It's the best thing ever. I think it also includes those pony rides, like where they just walk (laughs) in a circle. (laughs) Which make me really sad. Those poor ponies. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so I'm going to start getting into my next part, which is about astral projection. Really describe what astral projection is commonly known as. Pretty much it's an out-of-body experience. This sensation involves that feeling of separating from one's consciousness from their body. So it's like you're separate from your physical form. It's described as a form of consciousness exploration where an individual's awareness appears to leave their physical body and navigate in a non-physical realm. So when people are experiencing astral projection, they said that they feel a sense of detachment, obviously, and they also feel that they are weightless or if they're floating. So they also will see their surroundings from like a different angle. So maybe they're seeing it their room from high up like if they're on the ceiling and people have varying experiences when they're having these astral projection episodes i guess you can call it um some of them say that they can just see the stuff around them or they meet other entities explore other universes or um like look at some surreal landscapes almost it almost seems like hallucination when they explain (laughs) it like that There are various techniques that people say that will help you induce astral projection. And one of those techniques is meditation and, you know, even continuing through lucid dreaming. (laughs) But I'm going to tell you, I've never tried and I don't ever actually want to do it because that kind of thing frightens me. But those of you who feel confident and experienced and, you know, you want to do that, go, by all means, go for it. That's just not something that I will allow myself to do. It, my consciousness will stay firmly rooted within its body. 
Well, you never know what's going to take over your body while it's empty mm-hmm. from yourself. Oh, yeah. I mean, I feel so creeped out now. Like, <laughs> I'm getting anxiety <laughs> because of all this. So one of the ways that you can induce astral projection is through deep meditation and visual visualizations and even breathing exercises. So, again, just be careful if you want to do this. I'm not comfortable doing anything like this myself. Um, I just want to be anxiety minimal in my life and that would induce more anxiety for me, I am sure. Um, But a lot of people have done like their meditation exercises where they're just trying to like relax all areas of their body and visualize certain things. And then they come into like a sort of chance where you're like kind of on the brink of sleep, but you're not exactly sleeping. It's kind of like where you're feeling a bit um, loopy. But I do have a few stories and I'll read the stories as they are written about people and their astral projection stories. Um, this fir- these stories are found from Reddit. And the first story is, um, is by a person named A underscore growing underscore Lotus. And it goes as follows. Yesterday I woke up at 11 a.m. and I stayed in bed a bit drowsy until around 12.30 p.m. when I decided to go back to sleep. I also want to know how they can just go back to sleep at 12.30 and wake up at 11. It must be a weekend, I'm just saying. Gotta be a weekend. <laughs> They're anyway, not a teacher. You're not a, yeah, you're not a teacher. Anyway, as I was in the process of going back to sleep, I got sleep paralysis, and I, and I was like, oh, wow, I can't move. Girl, you can't move. But this time, I didn't try to get up. I just surrendered. Next thing I know, I'm in a dream where I feel everything. This is the first dream I have felt everything I am touching in the dream. In the past, I have felt one or two things in a dream, but this is the first time I felt everything. The grass, the water, the car I was sitting on. I remember thinking, wow, I could feel everything. (laughs) All of a sudden, I felt a pull and I no longer was aware of my body. I didn't feel like I was back. I didn't feel like I was in anything, not in a vessel at all. I remember feeling lighter and floating and I kept getting pulled back and back and back, going outside and seeing darkness. And I just kept getting pulled into other places. And that's when I heard the thought, I'm actual projecting. I became fully aware and full of wonder and awe at everything I was experiencing. After another pool, I was in the living room, and I saw my little sister and my stepmom on the couch, and on an L-shaped couch. They live in Washington, D.C., and I live in Atlanta, Georgia. I was behind the couch, and I saw my little sister's faces in the, and the back of my stepmom's head. I wanted to stay longer, but I felt the pool again. I tried to touch their faces, but I couldn't really... And they didn't seem to notice me. I was pulled outside into a yard where I saw humidity. Like I actually saw humidity and I was pulled through it and I felt it. I felt the vibrations and I heard the water in the humidity. I also saw a spider web on the tree that I had passed. I knew I had to leave because I, because I had to get up and do something. So I prepared by saying a prayer. Then I felt the pull heavier and I had a false awakening where I woke up in my bed, but I knew it was a dream and then I woke up for real. Today I texted my little sister and I asked her to send me a picture of her couch. She sent me two pictures of two different couches. One was an L-shaped couch, the same as the one I saw. 
I have never been to their house in real life. That's the post. So I thought that was interesting because she was traveling around and, you know, she said that she saw her sister and her stepmom in the couch. And, you know, if that's real and she saw the picture, I would have been like, are you kidding me? This is insane. Yeah, you know? I, I definitely would have been shocked. Okay, this next story was submitted by Darcio11. I left my body using speaker method. Basically, I pretend as though there is a speaker playing music on the other side of my bedroom, and I'm trying to get there to turn it off. I think I read this one. Leaving my body. Oh, really? Yes. I was nice. like, I'm going to hit up Reddit. And then I took a totally different direction. Mm-hmm. But this is good. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, I kept repeating... I call upon my spirit guide until I was basically transported into this strange land. It was rather pleasant and seemed like a huge park filled with people. There was enough space to walk, but it was still quite full. I couldn't make out whether these were families or anything else. I was standing before a very large and very old tree when a big round man dressed in an orange mandarin collar shirt wearing a necklace of brown wooden beads walked to me. In retrospect, he actually didn't seem all the way human. I'd say that given his size and shape, the man was quite round. We both sat next to the tree. His his back was to it. He asked me what I wanted, and I said, to start, to learn all about astral projection and lucid dreaming. I say, to start, because there's so much more I'd like to learn. He asked me why. I respond, because I want to be able to help myself and my family. I also am a lover of learning. The non-emotive large man was unsatisfied with my answer and asked again, why? I answered, because I'm a lover of knowledge. Deadpan, he asked again, why? This time I thought a little about my answer, as I mentally concluded what I wanted to say. I hear a voice from the distance say, because I want to. Which was my answer. I told my interlocutor the truest reason I wanted to learn. Locator? It it says interlocutor. Hmm. I'm just going to say, I told this dude the truest reason I wanted to learn. All this was simply because I wanted to. I could help myself in many ways and learn about a million other disciplines, but I was here because I am inexplicably fascinated by these subjects. At that moment, he pulled out a large book. I saw and f- I saw a few flipped pages marked astral projection, but I'm not sure whether or not there were any other topics. He pushed the book into my heart and I felt like power. I woke up and I could still feel the remnants of that energy in the center of my chest. And I thought that one was interesting because, you know, he was having a conversation maybe with someone else himself, you know, about why he would want to be doing this. And you know how sometimes people try to think of a noble reason, like they have to have a legitimate reason to learn something or do something new other like, but the fact that you want to do it is a legitimate reason, you know? It is. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Do what makes you happy. Exactly. Do what makes your heart sing. <laughs> All right. So this last um, astral projection 
story comes from poster Kimbo Wrights. And it goes as follows. I first heard about astral projection off and on, like most of us, through the internet and media. O-O-B-E's, New Age Gossip, etc. But then I read Yoganada's autobiography and there's some wild astral projection info in there. I found that as I found the astral I found the astral projection subreddit and really dove into my practice for a three-month span in 2018. Almost immediately, I experienced a vibrational phase while meditating. I sat in lotus for 15 minutes, completing a meditation routine. Then, I lay back and completed a Robert Monroe exercise. It isn't important which one, they're all very similar. Basically, you just relax all the muscles in your body one by one, and then imagine energy flowing into and through your body, creating a reservoir of energy. I suck at visualization, so the energy bit was pretty pointless for me. Then I transitioned then I transitioned to by binaural beats. All of this was through a prearranged playlist on my MP3 player. I lay there listening to binaural beats for 60 minutes. At this point, I've been sitting slash laying for 90 plus minutes. Instead of focusing up at my third eye on my forehead between my eyebrows, I eventually decided to focus back towards my pineal gland because that's where the ancient folks believed the third eye really was. I'm not an anatomy expert, but I think it's towards the center of your brain, just above your cerebral cortex, where the spinal cord meets the brain. Soon, as I focused on that spot, boom! I felt this eruption of shuddering energy. It was almost orgasmic, but entirely in my mind. It rippled my eyelids and almost made me moan and groan. It felt so good, though it was also kind of startling and scary. But I'd felt the sensation before. When I experience sleep paralysis, it's there. When I take certain party drugs or psychedelics and I allow my focus to lull, that spark is there. So I allowed my focus to venture back to that spot. This time, when that energy roiled through my mind, I pushed it down through my body along my spinal cord. Pushed is an inadequate word. It was more like I thought what it'd feel like to have that energy travel down there, and it did. Then, as it encountered different parts of my body, I'd later learned that these were chakras, I'd allowed it to hum and build in that region before feeling it move to a new era. Area. These vibrations... I, I bet hmm? you did. <laughs> these vibrations built very rapidly. I'm making it sound like it was a lengthy process, but it was maybe two minutes from that first burst through my mind. Suddenly, my whole body was humming and throbbing. I freaked out. I thought I was having a heart attack. It, it felt like the floor was shaking. If I lived in a region with earthquakes, no doubt I'd think there was a serious earthquake. So I stopped, took my pulse, all good, normal, low even. Next day, I went at it again. Took me 60 minutes to get to that zone where I can probe my attention back through my mind and hit that special spot that would reverberate through me. I again built up the vibrations and started imagining myself pulling arm over arm at a rope over my body. But like I said, I suck at visualization. I can't see anything. I'm straight aphantasia. So I just decided to feel myself leave my body as I vibrated like wild. 
that's when I saw a flash and felt something there over my right shoulder. It encouraged me, told me I was doing a great job, not with words, but with its energy. I just knew I was doing the right things. I was on the right path. From that day on, my intention in life have been to get to a space where I could focus as much time and energy on not just astral projection, but meditation and spirituality and just becoming the best entity that I can. Fast forward two years, I have a son. He's six months old and keeping me up all hours of the night. I've heard that if I manage to reclaim... I've heard that if I manage to remain calm during a sleep paralysis event, then I can astral project from that. I typically experience sleep paralysis when my body wants to sleep, but my mind knows that there's a task that needs to get done before night-night time, like showering or brushing my teeth or keeping my son alive. So (laughs) the hum of sleep paralysis slits in after feeding my son, but not before I remember to change his diaper. I want to sleep so bad my mind is wheeling me up from the bed to change his diaper. My body falls asleep and my mind is awake. The vibrations aren't as intense as the ones I experience while meditating, but they're there and I recognize them. I stand up from my bed. I look out the window. I look back at myself. I don't see my face, but I see my body there sleeping. But then I try to convince myself that I don't see that because it'd be too bizarre. I walk to the living room. Everything seems as it should, but it also seems somehow different. I see my son with his full diaper and I see his bottle where I left it, but still I feel distant from this place somehow. I become convinced that I'm actual projecting. I think that if I am, I should test it and fly. I walk to the balcony and I think I could just jump off and fly, but... What if I'm not astral projecting and I'm really awake or I'm sleepwalking? Then the world kind of shudders. Suddenly, my apartment isn't my own, but an old house I lived in. The crib is still there and a lot of my things, but the walls are different and the windows are different. I think this is because in the astral, our mind still has to imagine what it's seeing. We aren't witnessing the world with physical eyeballs that communicate images to our brain. We're feeling it. So for an instance there, I felt like I was at home, but my brain said, which home? And it reflected images of an old home to me, except I can still sense my son there. So it reflected images of him sleeping in his crib. I think this is why so many people get confused between astral projection and lucid dreaming. And that's the end of that post. <laughs> um, I thought that there was had, interesting. Huh? There have been uh, a few times where I thought, I had astro astral projected, um, but of course I wasn't sure of that. But mm-hmm. very much felt like that. I don't think I've ever had that sort of experience because I've I think I've always just been pretty rooted of like I'm staying within myself sort of thing. Very strong, like inclination to just have no nonsense about it. But yeah, so astral projection is also go, goes hand in hand with um, dimension hopping while dreaming. Now, I don't know if any of you guys are on TikTok. I'm sure some of the listeners are. And if you're on like the dream side of TikTok or the dimension hopping side of TikTok, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people who talk about dimension hopping within their dreams. And they'll say things like, oh, 
when you're doing this, when you're dreaming or when you're dimension hopping, you're not supposed to ask the time or something like that or like where you are, the time and the date. You're not supposed to. They they claim that if you ask for the time and the date, then your dream people will start to act really funky and try to chase you out of your dream and whatnot. Um, I've heard like, that. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I don't really intend on asking my dream people what date and time it is. I really don't care. But yeah. another thing they said that you can't do while you're dreaming is read. But I read in my dreams. Like, I can see the words in my dreams. And I could tell time in my dreams. And I think that's an interesting thing. And if somebody has more information about that or have their own experiences, I'd like, I'd love to hear about it. But I can read and I can tell time. In my dreams. Uh, me too. Like, I don't know. It seems weird to me that they would say that that's not yeah. normal. Yeah. I mean, I remember there was a point where, like, if I was trying to look at a book or something or a piece of paper that should have writing, like, it was just kind of scribbles. Like, when you're a kid, you just kind of, like, imitate writing. Yeah. But, you know, that hasn't happened in a long time. So maybe it was just another one of those skills that I learned. I don't know. Um, so dimension hopping, let's get into it even more. So dimension hopping is the idea that people travel to different dimensions when they dream. And this is a speculative and metaphysical concept, and it's definitely been explored in various forms within, um, like physio, uh, sorry, philosophical ways, spiritual ways, and even discussed in scientific areas. Um, it suggests that when we dream, our consciousness or what, you know, our awareness um, temporarily leaves our physical body, just like when we're astral projecting. And then this time, actually, instead of just floating around our current universe, we float around to a different universe. So what is interesting about this, sometimes I think about like my dreams, right? And sometimes I'll have dreams several times in a night where it's like a progression. Uh, it's like the same dream, but like it's just a progression or a continuation of the dream last night. And sometimes I'm like, you know, maybe I'm visiting another dimension or something. Like I'm just in a, a passenger on another Miranda dimension or something. <laughs> Miranda dimension. Yeah, you know? <laughs> and, like, maybe the deja vu I experience in my dimension is just when I have a passenger Miranda in my mind and they had experienced this thing in their dimension at some point. I don't know. It's just this whole thing. Because sometimes when, like, your dreams go in an order like that where it's just a continuation of it, it's just very, like, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so... Um, there are a few key points related to the concept of traveling to different dimensions when you're dreaming. So the first one, we've all heard of it, at least I hope we have. It's a multiverse hypothesis. Of course, you know, into the Spider-Verse, Marvel, whatever. But there's an actual idea, you know, it's an actual hypothesis. So this is the idea of parallel universes or multiverses, um, and they stem from... This, sorry, this multiverse hypothesis stems from interpretations of theories like string theory. And we've heard of string theory. It also stems from an interpretation of the theory, um, many worlds theory, and then quantum mechanics. These theories propose 
that there might be multiple universes with different physical properties. Um, in this context, some speculate that dreams are pretty much glimpses to these other universes. Like I was saying earlier, sometimes I joke about that. Maybe it's true, I don't know. Um, <laughs> another concept, a key point, yeah, another key point related to this concept is called dream realism. So some proponents of this concept argue that the vividness and realize, realism of our dreams suggests that they could be genuine experiences in alternate dimensions. Again, like I said, and kind of briefly what you said too about like experiencing all the details, you know, of that one dream. Yes. Mm. Because it would be hard to really imagine that like, you know, my brain is just making the sensation up or maybe our brains are just that powerful and we remember sensations. Mm, maybe. So uh, these people believe that the dreams provide insights to parallel worlds and this offers an opportunity for them to explore and learn more, which would be kind of cool to explore and learn more about that. But being state like permanently in my own, like I don't want to dimension hop. Okay, a little caveat on this. Okay, not a caveat, but a sidebar related to this, but a personal experience. Near the, my place of work, um, well, sort of near my place of work. I mean, they have these all over the place. But anyway, there is this gas station that was like a dino gas station. And it even had like a giant sculpture of a dinosaur in the front of the gas station. Yeah. Really bizarre. Okay. So I drive past it every day. I know what it looks like. It's a freaking dinosaur in the front of this gas station store. One day... This gas station was changed. Like, you, like yesterday, it was a dino, but today it's like an orchid gas station. And I'm like, what the heck? How did this change overnight? Orchid. And I was so, yeah, I was so confused, right? And it was orchid gas station for a couple of days. And I asked my husband and I asked a couple of people. And I'm like, when did that gas station wait, change to an orchid? Wait, wait, hold on. It was only that for a couple of days? Yes. And it changed back to the dino. What? That yes. sounds like a glitch in the matrix. Tell me about it. We have a whole episode on y'all. Mm -hmm. But I asked a couple of people um, if they're like, if, uh, I asked a couple of people if they noticed that that gas station had changed. And they're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, the one that was the dinosaur. You know that gas station I'm talking about? Like, there's two gas stations. One of them has a dinosaur sculpture in the front. I mean, you know, right? Like, you worked there. Yeah. Yeah, okay. And they're like, huh? I don't know. And I'm like, but now it's an orchid. They're like, well, yeah, it's been orchid. And I'm like, no, it has not. You know? No. So I asked my husband, and he was like, what do you, I don't know. I don't notice things like that. And I asked my coworker, and I was like, do you remember that there's a dino thing? And he's like, oh, yeah, I do remember that. And I was like, hmm, how did it change overnight? And he was like, I can't notice. Like, he's like, I don't really remember if it changed overnight or if it took a while. And I was like, no, let me tell you, it changed overnight. Because every day I imagine like kids jumping over the fence or like the little railing that blocks the yeah. dino sculpture. And like, you know, it's just like a ritual for me when I drive past it. Right. And he's like, well, I don't know. But yeah, it's weird. I think they just changed it. But then it changed back. And it's still there. So that's one of the things I was like, man, I think Hold being... Up. What is... Where is this gas station? Um, it's right by... Right down the street. Let me edit this part. So if you were to pull out of the parking lot, would you go left or right? 
left. And it's like right there. Yeah. So the stoplight. Okay. I I remember that. Okay. I remember mm-hmm. that. Yes. And they had a dyno. Yeah. Like um It was a long neck. Like a yes, like a statue type thing. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I remember that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, That's so a glitch in the matrix. Glitch in the matrix. I maybe I I dimension hopped with my coworker for a second, then I came back because there was a dino again. I don't know, but it was weird and bizarre and unexplainable. Uh, all right, so I'm gonna continue. <laughs> so there are also there are also a lot of spiritual and mystical perspectives and beliefs about astral projection and dimension hopping, of course, and. This is something that has been around for a long time, like even back in like ancient times and um, like pre-colonial America before it was America. Like there are tons of evidences of like using certain herbs or things to change your the state of your mind, alter your mind Mm -hmm. in order to astral project or see visions or dimension, anything like that. And, of course, a lot of this new um, modern stuff is probably influenced by, like, TV shows and movies and science fiction writers. So I'm pretty sure a lot of this has definitely spiraled as time has gone on just because of our media and our creative minds building these amazing worlds in, in their stories. But regardless on if you believe in it or not, there's no doubt that there's a lot of mystery to things like this and people having these experiences. And it's kind of nice to ponder what the truth is about. Um, so I have a couple of stories um, about dimension hopping, not for me personally, but stories that I also gathered on Reddit. So I'll go ahead and read them as written. Um, this one, it didn't have an author. It said that um, when it looked at the author, it said deleted. So the post was still up, but the profile was deleted, I guess. Um, but here it goes. I know it sounds ridiculous, and it probably is, but this happens too often and felt too real to not be something. I always dream incredibly realistic dreams. They feel long. The people feel real. The worlds feel detailed. I can sense inflection in tones and feelings in my body. Recently, I have, I have had a series of three or four dreams where I believe I was watching myself in another reality or another dimension. And in the end, I believe somehow I tapped, in, tapped too deep and had an event in that world where I triggered a memory loss. I am going to try to explain this particular dream from last night the best I can. In this other dimension, I work for, a, from what I can tell, a smaller company that deals with helping people with memory and focus using technology and computers to monitor the body's reaction to the tools and toys they use. For example, squeezing a stress ball with your hand and using a computer to monitor your brain's reaction when you do that. In my real world, I'm a utility locator. Anyway, the first half of last night's dream was just that, work. Me and a female employee, who will be very important later, working and discussing work and testing some things for work. Sometimes walking about, sometimes working together at a desk. During this portion of the dream, I am not aware of myself in what I call my real world. 
As far as it feels, I'm Derek from my alternate reality. It's just happening. Utility locator Derek doesn't exist. Then something happens. I tap in too far. Suddenly, my real life brain becomes aware that I am in this alternate reality and I am suddenly conscious of myself in this other world. I feel myself in this alternate Derek now hovering over him. But the problem is I also feel like I have completely wiped my memory of alternate reality Derek. Alternate reality Derek has a flash and suddenly I am in front of these shelves at work, completely unaware of who I am or where I have been or how I got there or even. But I am aware I am watching this now as real life Derek. I turn around in the dream in this unfamiliar workspace. I see this female walking out from a back room. She says, hey Derek. I say, you know me? She replies, yeah. I sense her confusion. I ask, have you always known me? And she says, for a year now. I ask her if I have been gone for a year or if I've always been here. She tells me that I have always been here. I ask her what she can tell me about myself and explain that it might sound crazy, but my entire memory had been wiped. But before I get an answer, I wake up. I remember a feeling of panic when she said I have always been there because it meant I never left. I just forgot this part of my life. It scared real life me because I also felt like, holy shit, I'm, I tapped, I'm tapped into something crazy here. Real life me was aware I was watching this alternate Derek, whereas in the first half, I felt like I was just alternate Derek and I wasn't real, uh, and I wasn't aware the real me even existed. It's all very real. All my dreams are. I could draw them. The conversations are so natural. I don't think I'm doing this every dream, but I think I'm doing it often. In other dreams, I have visited these places that are so realistic, but not exactly like any places in my real life. Looking back, I'm wondering if those dreams were also me tapping into my alternate reality. I don't do drugs. I'm not stressed. I don't drink. I woke up immediately and started typing this out the best I could get it down. And that was that. <laughs> and I thought that one was interesting too. Absolutely. Dang. Imagine like feeling that you are no longer in your real life. And you're like, oh my God, how'd I get here? I'm trapped. Like, and you don't know anything. You don't know your job. You don't know these people around you. You don't know who even you are in that life, you know? I would be terrified. I know. So thank goodness for him, he woke up into his original reality, and he didn't have to, you know. Sorry, stop that. What okay. are you doing? Sorry, I just had to get something out of this bag. But he didn't have to worry about being stuck in an alternate reality for too long. Yeah, thank goodness. <laughs> All right. Um, this next story was posted by Four Sharp Twigs. Okay, guys. I made a post in another sub glitch in the matrix and it was removed for being for reading as fake, which I'll admit it's understandable as many times over the past month or so, I've been questioning my sanity. After it being removed, I had a bit of a mental breakdown and realized it was just consuming my life. In short, too lazy to link, I believed I jumped to another timeline on May 2nd. I didn't truly believe it until a few weeks later when things began to be weird. Up until this point, my wife has been keeping me at arm's length like any rational spouse would, but I can see the disbelief in her eyes. 
Where I'm from, the Great Depression happened in 1926, not 1929. So why this? Why now? Yesterday, everything changed. My wife and I went to our favorite restaurant in the city. We hadn't been in about six months, but needed a break from all the stress of life and to just forget about everything. The idea that I might be in a different timeline wasn't on my mind, nor should it have been. We looked at the menu and noticed our favorite item was missing. Bummer. We called the waitstaff over and asked the lady what happened to the item. At first, she said it was on the lunch menu. After some back and forth, she looked confused, but we decided not to push it. It's just one of the dishes they had, but definitely a bummer. So we eat, we dine, we enjoy everything. It's amazing as always. At some point, another member of the waitstaff comes over, an older lady that we later discover is the manager, and she asks if we're enjoying everything and if we have any plans for the night. My wife brings up the dish. The lady stares at us and asks us when the last time we had it. Six months ago. She stops and says, I've been here for two years and we haven't had that. I chime in, Applewood smoked pulled pork? Really? It's part of this section of the menu, or it was. At that point, the lady looks a bit distressed and it hits me and I start screaming inside. Let me look at our records. You guys might have, you guys have me a bit confused. How do I not remember this dish? Aside, yeah, this is odd. The situation is odd. Wife and I discuss this as well. The place we are at is very high end. Our steak was $96. Lady leaves and I look at my wife and I say, I told you, I told you, we jumped timelines. We photograph all of our food and oddly, that photograph was missing. We both distinctly remember the conversation around the specific plate we had as it was a realization my wife had in regards to brisket versus pulled pork. It was also my birthday dinner, so it was an extremely memorable occasion. I'm grinning from ear to ear at this point and my wife is having a miniature mental breakdown. We pay and right as we are about to leave, the manager approaches us again. I won't lie, I was really happy when she said they have never had that item. Even the chef was confused. We left, and for the next six hours or so, my wife just couldn't come to terms with it. But I'm happy because it means I jumped with her. She's my wife from my old timeline. And I, I liked that one because, you know, he was talking about they take pictures of all their food. And this particular dish they took a picture of, and it was memorable because it was his birthday. And the wife had a realization about the difference between, you know, pulled pork and um, whatever else. What was it? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm like, oh, yeah, that's fun. And it was really sweet that he went with his wife. He, he's with his original wife. Yeah, they're happy. Yeah, they're still together even if they're in a different timeline. So that's all that matters. Mm. Um, but, yeah, that is all that I have for tonight. <laughs> I know we've been talking for a long time, and let me tell you, we've had so many glitches trying to get this episode done. Oh my god, I can't even, like, something does not want this episode to go out. So if you guys here consider yourselves lucky, you're in the know of something that we're not even in the know of, so, you know. And just put up with all the stuff that was not edited out, because... I'm exhausted, <laughs> and we have we have recorded this twice now, and so hopefully it works this time. Yeah. 
All right, guys. So again, as always, if you have any interesting stories of your own you would like us to share, please email us at witchinandwinin at gmail.com. That's W-I-T-C-H-N-A-N-D-W-I-N-E-N at gmail.com. And don't forget to go to our Facebook page. So you can post on our page or email us and let us know if there's something you want us to talk about or if you have a story that you want to share. Just give it to us, y'all. <laughs> yes, exactly. And um, if you liked what you heard here tonight, please, please like us, subscribe, follow, comment. All of that helps helps us immensely and we would yeah greatly appreciate it okay good night right. you guys good night Bye. good night crystal we got this oh we made it we, we made, made it, it. Yay. Where do fortune tellers dance? I don't know where. At the crystal ball. Badoom cha. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>